What's going on, pickleballers? Today's guest is Shay Underwood. He's a pickleball content creator. I kind of know him as one of the original guys out there, along with a handful of other people. I call you the giveaway god, Shay. That's kind of what I know your page to be. It's great to have you on the podcast, my man. Thanks, Tyler. I'll take it. How many times did you practice that intro? Because that was first take. That was really good. I mean, I always practice intros because it wasn't a strong suit of mine in like the first few episodes. So like the first five minutes or the last five minutes before we film, I'm like going over the intro like as many times as I can. So I appreciate it. Yeah, bro. That was good stuff. I'll take it. Giveaway God. I think that might be a little bit of an overstatement, but um, I, at least I'm known for doing giveaways now, which I do like. I like giving away stuff to people. It's fun. Yeah. And you really are known for giveaways. How did that kind of start? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, the obvious answer is that I just, when I do giveaways, everybody wins, right? So a lot of the stuff that I'm giving away is given to me by my sponsor, Selkirk. And so it's great for them on the marketing side. It's great for me because people follow me to get the giveaways and it's great for people because they get, you know, value from my giveaways. So everybody wins. It's just a great way to kind of get some growth and also give back to the community. Um, giveaways online are, they're not my favorite thing, but giveaways in person, whenever you can give a paddle to somebody or just make their day in some small way, there's just nothing like it. Seeing their face light up, absolutely love it. That's awesome. And what are some of the recent things that you've that you've given away? Yeah, dude. So actually the uh let's see, how can we how can we put this into perspective? So um if you're familiar with Kyle Kazuda, that pickleball guy. Yeah. I did a pretty big giveaway with him. We played in a tournament together in Austin, Texas, and our host for that weekend, her name was Shelby. We gave her a couple paddles and that kind of started it, right? Just giving away a couple paddles like that. Um, and then more recently now, I've just given away an $1,800 pickleball machine. I give away a paddle every week, give away bags every week. Um, and there's some bigger giveaways coming up soon. So thankfully with my sponsors and the faithfulness and the support of the community, I'm able to give away increasingly higher value items. Dude, that is awesome. Yeah, I saw the pickleball machine, $1,800 value. Who ended up getting that? Was the person just absolutely elated? Yeah, I mean, I don't really see too much of that side of it. I send them a message on Instagram. They give me their shipping information and I send it. And that's pretty much the end of transaction. So unless they post a story or some video behind it, I just never see it again. Um, that particular person, they were definitely happy to get it, but I never got a video or anything. So I don't know. Hopefully they're using it. Dude, I would love to almost see like a reaction video somehow, like calling them up or getting them on video and being like, hey, you won. But I guess if you told them to hop on video, I guess they kind of know there's a good chance that they're a winner. Yeah, definitely. Um, and at the, that's not like that's not really why I'm doing it. Like, I don't do it to see sure. their reactions and put it into a video. I just you know, want to give it to people. It's fun. Dude, I love it. So what got you started in a pickleball? I saw that you played high school football. How did that transition into pickleball? <laughs> well, high school football, I played college football also. I played at Georgia Tech. Yeah, cool. so I was a kicker and punter at Georgia Tech. And basically, I've, I've told the story a few times and I don't think it's that interesting, so I'll give you the highlights, but figured out that college football wasn't gonna work out. I wasn't making it to the NFL. I needed something to fill that void. And lo and behold, found pickleball. And when I started playing pickleball, it was like early 2019. I realized that there wasn't many instructional videos out there or people doing content. And I had some background in content when trying to get recruited to play football at the collegiate level. And so I just naturally dug my hands into this 
like niche of pickleball content and just started running wild with it. My first videos are terrible. I'm gonna look back today on my videos I'm making right now and still think they're terrible, but uh, it's just been constant growth from that day and now here we are. I mean, unbelievable. And you've had some of my favorite pickleball videos. Two that come to mind are the the deception package where like your partner's hitting a ball <laughs> and then you kind of like cover them. That was awesome. And then the second one was when you took the cap off of like that Gatorade bottle, that trick shot was insane. But going back to the first video that I mentioned that the screen packages, could that ever be used in a tournament? Like, could that ever work? Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of up to the ref's discretion if they want to allow it or not. Uh, there's definitely plenty of times where I've had a friend hop in front of me or me hop in front of a friend on a very high dink and it actually does work. But I mean, at this point, unless someone just spends hours and hours with their partner trying to figure it out, it's never going to happen. So it's the ref's kind of discretion on that, or is it like a legitimate pickleball play if somebody decides to spend hours and hours on these screen packages? Yeah, I think it could be considered legitimate um, because there's there's really one reason why. So the video we're talking about, um, we have playing doubles, we have a person on this side, person on this side, a dinks hit to this guy, and the person on the right hops in front of them, screens the opponent from seeing the ball, and then they hit a speed up and get out of the way and hopefully, you know, hit the opponent or whatever. Um, and what to a lot of people that can be considered a hindrance or a distraction. I don't know which one of those two it would be considered, but a lot of people say that because it's not natural to pickleball. I think that's the verb you used in the rule book. It has to be like a play that's natural to the game. Um, but one of the variations of that screen package is the person who hops in front of the ball to screen, they can actually hit the ball themselves. So now I can hop in front of you, the ball sitting up kind of facing, uh, I'm facing the ball, we're both facing away from our opponent, and then I like turn around and hit at my opponent. And because I can do that, I think it's pretty natural to the game. And if I have that option, then the other screen should be also allowed. But I'm not gonna die on that hill. I don't really care. I don't think it's that usable at the highest level, but maybe in your 3-0 recreational league, you might be able to pull it out. Sure, fair enough. Game point, 3-5 <laughs> tournament, go for it, why not? Yeah. Second video, the trick shot, that trick shot was spectacular for anyone that hasn't seen it. I'll, I'll put the link in the description here, but how many times did that take to get right? I don't remember right off. I have a counter on all the videos I do for trick shots, so there's a number on that video somewhere. Uh, the trick shots are fun though that's one thing that a lot of people still know me for so my very first video that hit a million views was a video of a trick shot it was i think two years ago on world trick shot day which happens in december and i had the idea of hitting a pickleball across the court like a legal serve onto a tiny wooden skewer and skewering the pickleball and uh that first day i went out tried it i wasn't successful but i posted about it on TikTok. it kind of blew up and then i just kept going from there and kept getting crazier and crazier trick shots going Dude, how cool is that? And what I love about your content too is you do trick shots, you do informational videos, you even do like, hey, how many rules were violated in this sequence here? What are some of your favorites that you like to film? Yeah, my favorites are the ones where I make other people happy. So when I give away things to people in real life and we can record that reaction, that means the most to me personally. The instructional videos are helpful to a lot of people and they provide value, but they don't really you know, give people that same level of joy that a giveaway video does. And the trick shots and some of those other videos like the screen package, 
I mean, it's it's entertainment, but it's just kind of a gimmick and no one's leaving that video like really, really happy that they watched it. Mm. So for me personally, I get the most joy out of seeing other people be happy. And those videos are the giveaway videos that do that for people. Wow, makes sense. And do you think that those type of videos, the giveaway videos have a longer lasting impression on your audience? Yeah, I think so. I think it I think it spreads a little more than anything else. Like if you see a video of us doing a screen package, you might show it to your friends and laugh about it on the court and maybe try it yourself. But that's probably the end of that. If you see a giveaway video, though, and you see how happy you can make someone just by giving them something small like a pack of balls, then that can definitely translate in snowball effect into something much bigger than just that one video. So, yeah, I think it does have a lasting effect. Wow. I mean, the way you look at content is pretty interesting. If someone was just getting started in the pickleball content space, what are some tips you would recommend to them? Yeah, I mean, I think the most advantageous tip for people is to not overthink it and just get started with what you have. And I'm sure you hear that advice all the time, but I've heard a lot of, of my friends, close friends who wanted to get into this pickleball space or content space of any sort of niche and they always overthink that first video and they think about it for a month and then two months and then a year and then another year goes by and they haven't posted it yet. Um, just accept that you're going to suck at first and in three years you're also going to be really bad at videos still and just start. I mean, that's that's the most like basic thing you can do is just start because you're never going to get known or you're never going to have that success if you don't try. Um, and what you have at your disposal, if you have a camera on your phone, that's a great place to start. Right on. Something to something to incorporate. And I know you said you started playing pickleball at the start of 2019 and then the end of 2019, you were content creating because you feel like there was kind of a void in the spaces. Is, is that timeline pretty accurate? Yeah, that's an accurate timeline for sure. And then when you first started, what was kind of the idea or just to provide people with useful videos or was there something else behind it? I had no plan. So we were playing a, a recreational league, a pickleball league at a local, like a local recreation center. And I was probably a three, five, four at the time. And I started recording my videos just to see like how I was progressing. Uh, the very first video I recorded was just a GoPro on my chest, pickleball POV. And I realized that that would give people motion sickness because it just was so unstable. So I stopped doing that. And then I started recording these league highlights and I, I would crop them down into highlights, put music behind it that was copyrighted. I wasn't getting paid from it. Um, and I would like put text about people's heads and highlight the funny moments. And that was really fun for me just to go back and look at the footage. And what I realized is that by spending these hours editing the video, what I really was doing was watching myself and my opponents play 10 times more than my opponents were watching themselves play. And so I was learning a lot faster than other people because I would spend so much time watching myself play. And then I was kind of realized that that's exactly what we did when I was trying to get recruited for football is I watched my form, I watched my technique, and then I just started getting crazy into that and watching myself and others play for hours. And then I realized I could develop into something a little bit more if I kept going along that path. And I started the pickleball road to pro, which was me, no tennis background at all, trying to get to the pro, playing doubles, and um, yeah, that kind of fell apart. I just never really did much with it. I didn't have a good plan going into it. And so what I actually have coming up soon, tomorrow I'm playing my first pro tournament in singles in Griffin, Georgia and Atlanta. So I'm gonna record that, see how it goes. That'll be the baseline. And for the entirety of next year, the main thing is road to pro singles. 
Wow, sweet. So by the time this podcast comes out, that mash will be finished. So I'm hoping <laughs> that you had uh, success in that match, but what's it like playing singles? Um, and what what do you think your skill level is at right now? What are you expecting? I'm a solid 5-0 in singles. Um, I think my duper is like a 4.95, if that means anything to anybody. I'm expecting to get absolutely destroyed in this pro tournament, but I think that's great because for me as a creator, I think that's just another point for the story and it's a good baseline to see where I'm at. Um, I really have found more satisfaction playing singles as I've gotten better. It's really frustrating playing singles when you're starting out and you don't have ground strokes or tennis experience because you want to hit the corner, but you just hit the ball and it goes like 10 feet behind the back line or it goes into the net. And so as you get a little bit better and you can start actually putting the ball where you want to put the ball, it becomes a lot more satisfying. And I've been really enjoying singles because of that. That's sweet. And what is the trajectory from road to pro singles look like? Like what are the goals as far as accomplishing that road or, or walking on that road? Yeah, so that's still a work in progress. Um, but I mean, one of the biggest goals, the most obvious goal is just going to be get a medal in an APP or PPA tournament to start out. Um, and we'll see from there, but it's, the, the idea is that every single week I'll be doing a full like report of the training, um, kind of analyzing where I was at that week and I'll be doing baseline ratings. So, you know how like in uh, Madden or other video games with sports, you have like ratings and player ratings. Yeah. So I've got a system now to like rate myself on all the different levels of or all the different facets of singles. And so I'll be doing that every week and just seeing how I progress every time and basically get like a overall rating for myself. Um, so yeah, just doing that every single week, trying to get as good at singles as I can and letting the main thing be the main thing. And so those attributes, like in Madden, you know, there's players have so many attributes, but when you're looking at the pickleball singles game, what are some attributes that you're going to be scoring and eventually tallying up? Yeah, it's still a work in progress, so I don't have it all figured out, but uh, the main ones are going to be like your serves, so deep serves, deep returns. Thankfully, with ball machines, you can measure that pretty um, like pretty reliably if you hit 20 serves and all the 20 serves are within five feet of the baseline or 20 returns and the same thing all within five feet of the baseline or this spot of the court, you can get a score from that. Um, additionally, in singles, I think horizontal movement, so how quick you can get from one side of the court to the other and back is really important. Um, and so those are kind of like the main three. And then from there, you get all the different variations. So you have like your backhand drives, your forehand drives, your backhand drives cross court down the line, forehand drives cross court down the line, right? So you're going to have like 10 to 12 statistics or attributes to measure and that every week and see how you progress. And are you using a pro or will you use a program for this? Or is it just you looking back at the footage and giving yourself an assessment? Yeah, so I'll do it in real time, go to the courts, warm up for a little bit on the wall or something, and then get the ball machine out and just go at it and have to look at the footage and post and see like, you know, how many shots were behind the baseline, how many shots were within this zone or my target zone. And then from there, hopefully get a really cool graphic on the screen, like a, a my player card in Madden or, or in 2K. And then, yeah, that's the goal. And then I wonder if, cause I think just about in every sport for the most part, well, there's, I think there's some exceptions to this rule, but in general, you practice a little bit higher than you play, I would say, where once you're in a tournament, maybe you're being a little more selective on shots. So we're, will there ever come a point, I guess, when you're analyzing tournament play and then assessing yourself based on that? Because tournaments and, and using a ball machine, I think they're, obviously they're both great, but they're different sort of 
levels, I guess. So are you going to be grading the attributes on the tournament scale at any point? Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to grade necessarily, but it's a no brainer that I'm going to record it and review it. And another large portion of this next year is going to be going over other people's gameplay. So reviewing footage of the best. And I'm thinking about probably doing live streams of that. So every Wednesday at 7 p.m. for two hours, we just go over footage of really exceptional pros playing singles and see what we can learn from it. Um, so, yeah, it's just going to be a lot of analyzing gameplay, trying to figure out best practices and just trying to get as good as possible. That's sweet. And where does doubles fit into this equation or it's totally eliminated from this? Yeah, I, I'm i definitely better at doubles. So I'm like a solid 5-5 five, five in doubles and I can play at the lower end of like pro, maybe get into a main draw here and there. We're going to see. Um, but I think just I, the reason I chose singles was because it's all reliant upon myself. I don't have to right. like trust in a partner and I can't really measure my partner's training or like how they're doing right so i want to put it all on myself and just see if i totally grind on myself my own goals where i can be at and by doing that my doubles game is naturally going to get better as well and i'll have it's kind of interesting like in the pro scene and just getting partners in general how you get partners is by putting yourself out there and letting other people know that you exist so by doing this and just seeing my progression over time, other people will see that. And then hopefully I start getting better and better partners and doubles. And that also increases as a result. So who is like a, maybe not necessarily a dream partner, I guess it could be, but what's the goal or, or is there anyone that you're looking at? Like, yeah, I think we'd be a great men's doubles part, uh, great men's doubles partnership or a mixed doubles partnership. Dude, I don't really know. I, I've been asked that a few times and I don't really have like a dream partner. I think there's a lot of things to consider when you're looking for a partner. Um, and I just, I don't really have a person in mind right now. I what just fully Yeah, uh, well, one thing that is really important to me on the court is just the ability to forgive and forget. Mm -hmm. So whenever, I, I just hate like um, when I mess up or when my partner messes up, and feeling like the other person is just not saying what they want to say because they're so upset at their partner. Being a kicker, it was really easy to miss a field goal and then take a deep breath and completely forget about it. You kind of had to or else it snowballs. Right. And so that's what I'm looking for in a partner is just someone who's very supportive on the court and doesn't get frustrated when you make the inevitable mistake. Wow, that's uh, excellently put. And I think uh, that makes a lot of sense, especially even in rec games. I notice like sometimes if I'm playing with a new partner that I haven't played with, maybe I'm a little jittery or a little nervous and they're giving me zero positive feedback. It's like a snowball, like you said, like it had just my game gets worse and worse and worse. Where on the other hand, same situation, but a partner that gives you positive feedback, even when you make a mistake, like my game soars. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the whole great expectations thing. When you put so much pressure on yourself to perform that you start putting external pressure from other people that doesn't even really exist. That's a very real thing where you think your partner is upset at you because you missed a serve or you missed a return. And in reality, they're just trying to think about their own shots. Right. Um, and so just completely getting rid of that altogether and knowing that that partner is supportive through and through, that's really, really important for any partnership, I think. I feel like it's being in high school when when I was in high school and I, I feel like, oh, I look horrible today or this person thinks this about me. And now I'm looking back at high school thinking like that person probably didn't even think anything about me. Like they were just worried about themselves. Yeah, it's always so true. It's just I mean, if you do a reflection of your own life and see how much you think about other people versus how you think about yourself, just 
that same concept applies to everybody else on this planet. They're always going to think about themselves more. So it's just not even something to consider. And other than kind of forgetting and forgetting or forgiving and forgetting about mistakes on the pickleball court, what else have you taken from the college football aspect and bringing that into pickleball? Yeah, I'd say there's two things. Number one is the ability to look back at your footage and analyze your stakes, object, analyze your performance and mistakes objectively um, and kind of leaving emotion out of it. Just seeing like, yeah, at this moment, I just didn't get my feet set and so I missed this shot. Or at this moment, I should have hit it to the partner who was back versus driving into the person at the net. And knowing that you're making those mistakes. So the next time you're on the court in that same position, you don't do that again. Um, very similar to in football, whenever you are approaching a kick and you your steps are like misaligned or something, right? You can totally fix that if you just know that you're doing that thing. And so being able to record yourself and see where you're doing all these different tiny mistakes is really important. And the second thing is communication. So in singles, I guess it doesn't really translate, but in doubles, it's super, super important. Just the ability to communicate and also receive communication from your partner. Um, that's so, so important. So like if you're at the baseline and you hit a high third shot, you'll hear people all the time say, watch your back. And just knowing that you should say that in that position and ask the partner, you should hear that and respond to that. It's really important. And I think people just don't get that right away if they don't have some other prior experience in sports or just, you know, general communication skills. It's really important. Interesting, man. Well, that's... Um... Those are some good thoughts right there, especially the second one as far as communication. I think, I mean, I'm looking at my game, like just briefly analyzing it. I played a tournament yeah. yesterday and I'm like, yeah, I probably could have been a better communicator. Yeah, absolutely. And just avoiding that confusion. I mean, balls right. in the middle, it's not hard to know who hits it if you just talk about it, if you say mine or yours. Um, but it's definitely a skill to be clear and concise in your communication because it's really easy to say like, that ball's yours, take it versus just yours. And you need to be yeah. clear with your opponent or with your partner rather about what you're going to convey to them and how they should receive that information. Yeah, I think that's a good point because there's this one guy I play rec with and when a ball's going out, he always says, let it go. And yeah, three words, like you don't yeah. have time for three words. So I'm always thinking like, it's gotta be a one word, one syllable sort of thing. Yeah, that's so true. And that's just like a very small, minute thing that to most people, who cares? But when you're looking for that edge and competitive play, that's the kind of thing that over time, if you find a thousand of those things or even a hundred of those things, the marginal gains you'll get from that will snowball into something much, much bigger. Wow, well said. I wanna to get to some community questions here. The first one is tips for intermediate players trying to move to an advanced level. Yeah, I mean, the most obvious once I, I've been preaching that this entire time, but just watch yourself play. It's yeah. easy to think that you look like a pro and that you play like the best player of all time until you watch yourself and see how bad you are. Whenever um, it's so funny on YouTube comments. So there's all these videos out there that's like, this is what 5.0 pickleball looks like, or this is what 4.5 pickleball looks like. And everyone in the comments always thinks they're worse than what the rating is. So people think that five O's look like they play four O and the people think that like a four five player looks like they actually play three five. And so when you apply that same concept to yourself, then you're going to realize that you're not as good as you think you are. And this is how you can improve. Sure. Yeah. Well said. Next one. 
Do you miss playing with us amateurs in the prestigious Tucker Pickleball? <laughs> yeah, I talk about it all the time. And yeah, I mean, I always miss the people that I came up with. So it's a really kind of a, a sad thing and also a, a bittersweet thing throughout all of life. No matter where you are in life, there's always going to be some form of like, uh, what's the word here? like a, a give and take, right? So you're going to move away from people that you played with early on just to better yourself. But it's really sad because you love those people and you grew up with those people and you had a lot of good times together. But it's always fun, like having a support system like that. And then you go far and you come back and you meet up again, just reliving the good times, having good memories together and, you know, playing a game of pickleball. It's always a good time. Right on. Next, why are you so passionate about creating pickleball content? I mean, I've like at this point completely devoted my life to it. So I quit my full-time engineering job and I went full, like full into creating content. So if I don't do that, I'm just going to starve and be homeless. <laughs> so what else am I going to do at this point? And does it feel like a job or is there still a lot of fun that you're having within it? And somebody else asked, Chris Go, do you ever get burned out of pickleball? Yeah, it does feel like a job in, in moments. Um, it feels it, it's a different job than what I previously had. So my previous job was a very corporate job. I had a nine o'clock meeting every single day. Um, and then I had like a 11 o'clock talk with my boss every single day. Right. So it was very structured in that way. But with this, there's always so much flexibility. But at the same time, there's always a hundred things that are vying for my attention. And so it's a job trying to keep up and manage those things. But it's a lot more rewarding and it's something that I'm more passionate about, more interested in. So there are moments where it feels like a job and there are moments where it feels like a passion still. And I don't really get tired of it. No, um, I yeah, at this point, I've not been burnt out by it. What really would burn me out is just the long hours spent editing, um, especially when I'm working on a video that I'm just not very interested in. And that's something that I'm trying to get better at is to only focus on projects that you know, I, I'm finding joy in doing and enjoying that process versus working on a video that I know is going to get a ton of views, but it's not going to provide value to anybody. And it's not something that I'm really fired up about. Sure, sure. All right. I got some rapid fire questions for you. Ideally, this would be like a two word answer. If you want to elaborate, go ahead. I'm not going to hold you to that necessarily, but four questions for you. First one, content creator you want to beat in the tournament. Zayn Abertil. Okay, that's a great one. That's a great one. Not easy to do, but that'd be a great one. Most underrated Selkirk product on the market right now? Mm, legacy gear. Oh, yeah. I've been seeing that pop up recently. Most important tip you're seeing right now that's like paramount right now. resets from transition last one favorite pickleball pro aj kohler oh that's a good one all right yeah. man well let's wrap this up where can people find you and is there anything you're coming out with next that you want to let people know about uh, you can just find me shea underwood s-h-e-a underwood on all platforms that's pretty much it just follow along and see what comes up i never really know what's coming next so you won't either <laughs> Dude, Shay, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I could talk to you for hours, man. Thanks for hopping on this podcast. All right. Thanks, bro. Love what you're doing. Keep it up. Thanks, man.